Free Talk Live. 603-435-1105. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And this is the live Sunday edition. I know that I, I, I know it's hard to believe there's live Sunday edition, but it is. It's You can listen to online live content every evening here at freetalklive.com and lrn.fm. And, uh, you know, this is the Sunday show, and we're going to try to do our very best to uh, bring you the the most entertaining show we can. And I want to lay out a couple of ground rules just so everybody understands them. Free Talk Live's Sunday edition is not like the rest of the week, so we do not have a call screener. The call, the, I'm, I'm answering all the calls here in a little box that's in front of me, which means that we are not screening at all. Um, I, I think that it's best that we just go straight into calls because otherwise people have to hold a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. That might uh, deter people from calling in, right? Yeah, it's it, it's it's a big deterrent. Um, you know, sitting, they, they call in in the middle of the segment. I have to put them on hold. No one answers the call. They just kind of listen to the show and they they have to assume the, the, of what's happening. And then I you know, ask them if two people call the same time, they may not make it on that segment, may make it in the next one. So it, it could be mm-hmm. half an hour. Well, sure, it, but even if they call in and we're taking unscreened calls, it doesn't guarantee that we'll get to the call right away. Or, no, no, no. Yeah. It, it just it, it expedites the situation. Sure. So uh, I guess what I'm saying to everybody who might consider making a call this evening, we will uh, you know, push the button. You'll be on the air. Be entertaining immediately. <laughs> you can call at uh, 603-435-1105. And uh, Stephanie, you were, we were talking before the show about uh, what you've got there, and apparently it's an article on the evolution of human generosity. Yes, I thought this was interesting because, so some of our listeners may or may not know this, but I am a scientist and I'm very interested in science. And, you know, sometimes there are these mainstream articles that come out and they're about sort of behavioral science or they they kind of try to relate human behavior to economics, mm-hmm. which sometimes I don't always like so much because sometimes I think they draw some erroneous conclusions from them and use them to justify things like, well, we need more government to do this because people suck. And, you know, they, they'll draw these conclusions that basically agree with whatever the researchers think already. So it's kind of confirmation bias. And one thing's for certain is that, uh, you know, who, whoever's reading the article, that there's going to be, conf- there's going to be, you know, the sort of their opinions going to be interjected just from the inflections in their voice, the people understanding people are doing it. Every, it, it's impossible, it, it seems to me, to, to, do completely unbiased work. And I think that, you know, scientists do their best in many cases and other cases, I think they fail. Yeah. And just as a side note, it's very interesting. Um, the field of sort of neuroscience in the realm of people trying to prove that there are innate differences between men and women in these in these studies that supposedly... How's that go? Well, are there innate differences between men and women? I think that field is fraught with um, bad science. And okay. If you ask Cordelia Fine, who is a neuroscience researcher who wrote a book called Delusions of Gender, she thinks it's mostly all cultural and there aren't really these hardwired brain differences between men and women. And I tend to agree with her, actually, because she's written a very convincing and actually quite funny book kind of exposing the bad uh, the flaws in that research. I always kind of, I mean, you know, certainly I don't know. I'm of uh, of the opinion and probably because, you know, I get my science from the evening news. 
that 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 there are some differences in in men and women, and and you know, I was willing, I'm willing to believe that those things are in, inherent. Um, but I always, I figure everything in life is bell curves, you know. So there are people at the fringes. Mm-hmm. That there are few, there are few people at the fringes that don't fit the rules. So you, it's difficult. You can um, you can never make generalizations. Which is a generalization. It's funny. It's a little joke. The, um, <laughs> yeah. So you it's know, a the, self-detonating <laughs> statement. <laughs> so the, the 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 bell curves would overlap in certain areas. So there might be more more dominant women than there, and less dominant men, or you know, whatever it is that one decides. Um, well, I, even the, if they're the, the, the suggestion that women can multitask, I've have you heard this one? I've women have it, this yeah. big, the, this they're big better at multitasking, right? This this big thing that runs between their left brain and their right brain, whereas men have a tiny little one. Um, <laughs> I don't believe that. I mean, that, <laughs> I haven't seen. You know, I, I I haven't seen that in my life that uh, women are particularly better multitaskers than than men are. I, How about the one? Have you heard women are more detail oriented, where men are more big picture? Have you heard that before? I think that sounds cultural to me. Um, well, absolutely. That's the point I was trying to make. I mean, how much of that, even if women are better at multitasking, is that because there's a difference in their brain structures? Or is it because from an early age they were told, well, you can do this at once? Go clean this- after, up after the guys. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I mean, well, isn't that what that means? Yeah. Uh, women are more detailed oriented. Men are more big picture means go and clean up their messes. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's that's what it seems work. like to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I understand where it comes from. From, I, I would be willing to say that women are generally more nurturing. I'm, I'm but willing. how is that cultural or is that innate? And Wouldn't I think it that's very difficult for it to be innate. Mm, not necessarily. I mean, it they would, do generally care for the children. Wouldn't it make more sense evolutionarily for a child to have two parents who love and care about it and want to nurture it rather than just one? Um, it, it, it certainly that's going to go better. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you could make either case. And it's very interesting because I think there are people who want these things to be true, who want there to be these gender differences. And maybe in some cases there they are, but that doesn't mean that we have to take a deterministic approach and say that it's because of differences in their brain. It's the hormones just make them crazy. I mean, this is something that people <laughs> thought in the past that women were hysterical, right? The, well, the I think this is culture. I think this can be a cultural <laughs> story, too. Um, I mean, and it's it's all out there. You know, those those Italian women are 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 passionate, um, which which gives uh, uh, which kind of gives a certain bit of latitude to Italian women to be unreasonable, doesn't it? Um, or red, redheads, you could say. Right. People or, think or, redheads know. are irrational or passionate or whatever. Right. And, you know, how, how much of that is because they got signals from the culture from sure. a very young age saying it's okay if you're right. a little bit more emotional than everybody else. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> you are allowed to yell, if scream, it's even and be true. irrational. Yeah. If it's even true, because it could just be people's perception. It's really not true. So uh, it's... I think it's very difficult. It's a hard challenge in science to try to separate researcher bias and things like nature versus nurture. It's very difficult, but I think some people, you know, do the best that they can, but often it's it's very difficult to spot your own biases as a researcher. And I, I can that I certainly is totally true. imagine that's the case. Yeah. So, well, I guess let's get into this article. Yeah. This was very interesting. I'll sidetrack you every chance I get. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's a good discussion. I think it's good to make people aware of science and what's happening. And as we were, science s- is a good thing generally. I mean, you know, I I like it. I, I think that it can be used for for evil purposes, but I like it. Sure, sure. Any technology, but if it's being it? used, it's generally not. Uh, you know, it's it's generally not science. If, it's, if somebody's using it to twist it into in their direction. You know that you've well, got. Well, then the answer to that is more technology, right? Yeah. I mean, if you use technology for evil, there's another technology that can protect you from the evil use and still get you the good use. So, 
Anyway, um, there are a lot of people, we as libertarians and, you know, people who believe in freedom generally are people who think, uh, I think, espouse a kind of not mainstream view. It seems like a lot of people in this society are coming from a place of fear and they believe that other people around them, well, maybe maybe I'm generous, right? Maybe I would give to charity and I would I care about the poor and I care about people who can't afford health care and so forth. But my neighbors are just so stingy and they don't give any charity. And without the government to give welfare to people and to pay for medical care, nobody would get it because people are not generous. Right. Have you heard that view before? Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. a, you know, it's <laughs> it is it is highly held out there that, um, you know, maybe I would. But, you know, the rest of my neighbors wouldn't because they're bad people. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, hold your thought. Um, sure. We're just going to go directly into this call here. Uh, Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hey, it's Johnson. Hey, Johnson. Hi, Johnson. So I wanted to uh, comment on the differences between men and women because I uh, dated a feminist for a very, very long time and have had a many, many conversations um, to this regard. Can I ask, and, Johnson, can I just ask you, Was do you think, would you describe her as a gender feminist or a feminist, in other words, who wants to use the government to get special things for women or a individualist feminist. Okay. She's an anarchist anarchist and actually is a former co-host of free talk live um, from a long time ago. Uh, And, you know, I had many, many conversations with her and, and I think that while I mostly support that there is an enormous amount of socialization, that there are, some uh, differences between uh, people, you know, between men and women um, that are inherent. Hold the line. Um, and I think- Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105, Sunday edition. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. SpendBitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From SpendBitcoins.com, you can spend your Bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, Memory Dealers, and more. When you want to spend Bitcoins, go to SpendBitcoins.com. Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. Give us a call at 603-435-1105. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You know, and while you're out there listening, go take a look at uh, news, uh, news.freetalklive.com. We have lots of different ways for you to stay up to date with Free Talk Live. You could go uh, get email updates, Twitter, Facebook. All these things are available to you at news.freetalklive.com. And let's take a quick call from... Mike Buck from Nature Bee. Okay, now let me ask, do you dread those long days and hot summer nights? Tell you what I found. Nature Bee. It can help you digest your food better. It can help you, uh, you know, it, it takes care of getting all the vitamins, all the minerals that you need on a daily basis. And it make, it frankly, it makes you feel great. It gives you more energy. Here's Mike Buck to explain why. Oh, yeah. You know, I love this. That's my role. We know in today's busy world, guys, the perfect diet's impossible. Too much fast food, not enough time to get that balanced meal. That's where nature becomes it. You're going to get all the nutrients your bodies need to function in top working order. That's why we call it the health food store in the palm of your hand. 100% natural, organic plant pollen in the capsules, 
27 vitamins and aminos, that's all of them, 28 minerals, all the antioxidants, boosting that energy, purging the toxins out of your body, giving you better digestion, better looking hair, skin, and nails, and the stamina to do all the things you want to do and more. So Nature Bee is all natural, all organic, and fresh and direct from us from clean, green New Zealand. But what's today's special deal, Mike? How about 37 pennies a day to feel like a million bucks? Six-month supply, just ninety nine ninety five plus delivery. You order right now, we give you three extra months for free, and that's how you do the math. Call toll-free to New Zealand. Let us prove the power of pollen to you. 1-866-834-8355. That's one 866 Eight three four eight three five five, or right now online at Nature Bee. That's naturebee dot com. Once you try it, just like me. You won't want to be without your Nature Bee. I've been using Nature Bee for 18 months consistently. It's worked great for me, and I, I think it'll work great for you. Come on and get that three months by calling that free three months by calling eight six six eight three four eight three five five, or online at naturebee dot com. And um. Let's go ahead and uh, go back to that call with Johnson. Johnson, are you there? Yeah, I am here. So, so boys and girls, different? The same. Yes. Uh, you know, and I had a similar debate on this subject, actually, about race um, with Hannah, who some of the listeners may be familiar with. Um, because I think some people, you know, want to be, I don't know, and I don't even know if saying this is, is the right way to put it, but some people want to be so politically correct or, you know, so go so far the other way with their views that they don't want to acknowledge certain things that could be potentially reality, which is... Right. I had a conversation that, with Ian where he tried to not say that Mexican-Americans are shorter on average than white people. Right, like, and, and, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm not trying to say that Mexican-American or Mexicans are bad people or people of Latino and uh, Indian descent or whatever, whatever terminology, Aztecs. I'm not sure even what we're talking about. I'm talking about people live in the, uh, the, the, the landmass known as Mexico generally are shorter than people who live in the landmass known as the United States. Okay, I'll bite on this. I'll play devil's advocate. Why does it have to be because they're Mexican? Maybe they have different nutritional status when they're growing up, or maybe they have certain be. genes, and those genes cause shorter stature. So That's what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, what really, but what really is race? Yeah, this is exactly what Johnson, I think, right. just said. Race is nothing but something that somebody made up. It's an arbitrary set of criteria, and it's it kind is, of... but we kind of know what it is, too. I agree with what you're saying. Race mm-hmm. is sort of what you assign for yourself. It's the reason I've decided that I don't have one. But at the same time, I'm not going to act like I don't see a difference in, in people and can't you know notice patterns. That's well, what... it becomes... I think it becomes a problem when you start to say things, as some people do. I'm, I'm not saying I agree no, with this, just some people... I think it becomes a problem when people who are, are actually racist. And race, racism is when you believe that you're better than another group of people for any reason. But Johnson, have you, have you heard these people who will say things like, well, on average, women are not as intelligent as men because it's genetic. Oh, yeah, or absolutely. on average, black people are not as intelligent as white people, but they're much better at sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, how <laughs> offensive is that? <laughs> Agreed. There are there are better and worse ways to use sort of uh, like the thing that I'm willing to acknowledge. Right, is that African pygmies are shorter than Zulus, and that has nothing to do with their race. It has kind of something to do with just genetics, and I don't know what or why or any of these things. I'm sure. There are are probably some genes that are more common, just like there are more 
common genes in people of European descent versus African descent. You know, there are some genes that are associated with certain races, whatever that is, really. Well, but that doesn't mean that one race is better or worse and that, or that the race that. itself is causing that characteristic. I would it's, say that if you're going to do hard work in the sun, that perhaps African-Americans have some advantages of being in the sun that white, the Caucasian-Americans don't have. Sure. Um, and they have some disadvantages because they don't make as much vitamin D. So if you're in a place like New Hampshire, then they might there are you know, disadvantages too. in the winter. Right. Mm-hmm. These are only the things that I, you know, th- these are the things that I try to, to keep it to. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I think that we should acknowledge that there are some differences with some right. folks. So is that a ra- So like, for example, is saying something like that racist when you go and you say cancer is more frequent among black people because they don't have an, as much melanin than their skin? You know, like, is that, I mean... Is no, that, that it would seem it would seem the opposite. Actually, they, they have more melanin in their skin, but but no, that's not that's not racist. But it is racist, Johnson. I think when you say something like, "Well, black people because of their race are inherently less smart," or women because of their gender are less smart than men. I don't think there's anything that can be shown to prove those things. Walter I think that, Block would disagree. I've I, heard a talk by him, and he is a prominent libertarian. Indeed, he is. He likes. Says, to, he loves to say things that piss people off. I mean, this is like his favorite thing to do, right? Well, right. Here's a, here's, here's, a, here's a statement that I'm just making about Walter Block that, hey, you know, I've talked to the guy a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that you can if you were just taking IQ tests, maybe this is true, but I don't think IQ tests are by any stretch the the whole story. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, there are different kinds of intelligence. The, some people say that IQ tests have a systematic bias. I would say that they, they would have to. Mm-hmm. They'd certainly have an English speaking bias. For, oh, of course. You know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that seems like the obvious first step. Yeah. Well, as far as gender is concerned, the, the one thing that I was going to say that I think is an inherent difference that I think you know, biologically affects all men and women, for the most part. And I think it's, you know, you could say it's a scale, you know, you could talk about even a Keynesian scale or maybe. um, uh, But um, talking about men being affected from birth, or not from birth, but from puberty, uh, by either an overabundance or a, you know, a dearth of um, testosterone and women being affected but in the same way by estrogen and those things i think can have an enormous effect on people uh you know hormones play a huge role in how people behave i think and that they may play the, the the biggest role in how people play um how people because you really are only the chemicals right, that float and float in your brain you, you guys do realize that there are a lot more hormones that humans have besides estrogen and testosterone and progesterone Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's clearly there's a difference in people's brains, uh, men and women's brains because of that, right? I don't know. Some of the studies on that are kind You're of flawed. Just not going to give on this one. <laughs> Johnson, thanks for the call. Jeez, I'm sitting here with an anarcho-feminist, <laughs> atheist, but she's so nice. 603-435-1105, Free Talk Live Sunday edition. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, consider Keen. Civil disobedience, politics, media, outreach, and social events. Keen has it all. Get connected with video, audio, our forum, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. Six zero three four three five. 
1105. Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And, you know, when you're uh, doing your shopping online, so many people shop online. Think about Amazon. Amazon's got all just a, just about everything you need to have in life. Darn close, except for maybe groceries, things like that. When you do order They have things, a lot of groceries. Maybe not like produce dry, and stuff. Yeah, dry yeah. goods and stuff like that. I mean, my wife's... Uh, Buying a lot of produce these days, she gets it from the you know the sort of co-op thing, and then some from the grocery store. But anyway, when you're doing shopping online, think about Amazon. When you think about Amazon, think about shop.freetalklive.com. We offer you know Amazon offers all kinds of goods and services, and you know you go through there. Free Talk Live gets a little cut. You help your favorite show, or you know second favorite, or at least you know a show you listen to. <laughs> It'd be great. It's, it's their favorite. <laughs> We really appreciate it. <laughs> it's shop.freetalklive.com. And are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? I think that should be the oppressive state. Yeah, you know, we're your... radio guys. It's not like we're, you know, great at writing copy or anything. <laughs> if you knew thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? Well, you can. Join at the Free State Join the Free State Project at Free State Project. Dot org. All right. Well, it's, it's the sh- it's the show about your calls. So let's go straight into your calls. Is this Sean? Uh, yeah. Hey, Sean. Uh, what were you thinking about? Well, um, he was just um, I just started talking about it. Uh, um, it's actually the Free State Project. I just heard about it about a week ago. Wow. And it's something that I've really been excited about. Um, I've been thinking about it nonstop. I've actually started a website. It's called uh, freestateawareness.org. And I've noticed that not actually many people know about it. And so I want to help get the awareness out. Um, so what I plan to do is going coast to coast. And I'm going from California to uh, Georgia. And then I want to hike up that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I feel like I'm getting nervous now. No, no problem. Is it the but, Appalachian uh, Trail? Yeah, right. And. Um, so I want to do that, and I want to make actually get a group together to do it. Wow, and, Sean! So you, um, so Sean, you just heard about the Free State Project a week ago, right. and you've already made plans to start doing this tour. Yeah, like I'm selling everything I own, and I'm, and I'm actually moving. Um, I've been in uh, like Hawaii for like two and a half years now, and um, it's kind of like there's a lot of people that would really want to do this, and like I know that. Um, they're just kind of, they're, they're living a stagnant bubble and they do the same in, in a, in a repetitive thing over and over every single day. Mm. And it just seems like they, they hate their jobs and they're getting in debt. And, and like, there's so many things going on that they're so distracted by their daily routine and they can't even take the time to realize, like, how much trouble we are in or, and, like, we're going down the road that, and, mm. you know, that's the point of the story, but... Well, um, and I saw it, and I saw you guys, and I saw the Free State Project, and I was like, wow, that's so cool, but um, I'm surprised I haven't heard about it. I'm surprised you have it, too. It's been it's been around for almost 10 years, and this is, you know. Right, a, right. It's, it, and it's, it's just like, there's a lot of people that my age that don't, yeah. I don't worry about it, because I've, like, I've traveled in the last couple of years, like three years, um, from Florida to Seattle. To Alaska, to Hawaii, to Puerto Rico, back to Hawaii, and um, like I was traveled from state to state uh, before that, you know, like, um, 
So not many people that actually know about this. Now, and what's the name of the website again? Uh, it's at freestateawareness.org. Okay. Um, it's, it's probably not quite working right now. Okay. Because yeah. I, like, I just you know, I actually edited it and everything. So, um, gotcha. But uh, you can find me on Facebook. Sean, I... I really have thought the, uh, the best. It's, um, huh. it's uh, facebook.com, and it's going to be independent medias. Um, actually, independent media. Gotcha. Uh, I want to start my own show like you guys. Um, you know, like I actually... And, and, and it's really hard for me because, um, just, you know, just as you know, like, like I'm talking really fast because I actually have a stuttering problem. Okay. That's okay, Sean. I so much that it's, it's hard for me to talk like the people that I, like are actually listening to me right now. But hey, Sean, I have a question for you. Is, I have a question but, for you. Have you ever heard of Liberty on Tour? No. Well, it's pretty cool, actually. It's a group of guys that basically have been traveling around the continental uh you know, U.S. continent and doing liberty type outreach, promoting the Free State Project and so forth. I think you might be interested because it sounds like you're doing something quite similar to what they were doing. So I would check out libertyontour.com if you get a chance. And I also wanted to ask you one more question, Sean. Um, what do you think, in your opinion, is the best way to reach out to young people like your age or maybe our <clears throat> age, uh, would you say? Well, it's actually starting to happen. You know, um, there's so many people that actually have some kind of like credibility and and they're, and they're speaking out, like Ron Paul, um, um, see, like Adam Gorish, um, mm-hmm. uh, and like RT America. There's 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 so many things that actually it's actually reaching out to these people, and they have like a you know, like a professional, um, some you know, like some sorts of. Um, either they're professional or they have some type of credibility and they're not crazy, you know? And um, it's just the the people nowadays, they're so, they're so caught in the moment of having fun and going out and partying. Yep. And um, I can completely relate, Sean. Not not focusing on true issues that, um, that, you know, the, the biggest thing is turn your television off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you turn your television off and, and you got to quit listening to the mainstream media. The mainstream media, you got to understand that they're, they're bought out. They're, uh, they're not looking out for our interests anymore. Sean, and so when you... we have true issues, they, uh, we get distracted off, off the true issues. And then, um, you know, that's when we get, you know, uh, not focused. Now, Sean, please uh, keep us up to date on your uh, your travels. I'd I'd love to hear how things are going, and uh, you know, good luck to you. And uh, what is it? It's freestateawareness dot com. When you get it up and running? Uh, no, it's not dot com. It's a uh, dot org. Uh, Excuse me. Freestateawareness dot uh, org, and um, it should be up and running in the next day or so. Cool. And I'll be on the road within the next three weeks. So, like, um, you can look me up on YouTube. Cool. And that's uh. And that's capital R and capital U, uh, Fed. Wait, see, like, uh, are you fed up with the Fed? Cool. So we took that. Take care, Sean. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. You know, I've uh, I I love the idea that people are getting excited about the Free State Project and you know doing some traveling. We you know the Free State Project needs all the all the help it can get. I you know we've got a thousand people basically in the state now are getting close to it, and I'm uh, you know the more that come, the better off we'll be. Mm-hmm.
And, you know, it's it's a project. We're all learning to better articulate the ideas of freedom, uh, you know, all the time. I think I've learned a lot in the uh, five years I've been here, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm hoping we can bring more people in and, and do those things, that, that, that same sort of thing with, uh, with everybody who moves here. So, uh, but one thing it, it brought up, brought to mind. So isn't Alaska part of the continental United States? Uh, I don't think it's considered that way, but maybe I'm just thinking of maybe the Maybe it's the 48 arbitrary. contiguous states maybe. And, and the 49 continental ones. I don't know. It could be. I'm not quite sure about that, Mark. That's something I've always bothered <laughs> me. Liberty on tour did not go to Alaska, but they, they also did not. They didn't go to any, all of the U.S. Why? arbitrary geopolitical boundaries known as states you know i mean i've been to 44 out of the uh, 50 states and honestly there's some of them i may have stopped by and had a burger at a diner and then moved along i remember going through idaho there was just a just a little curve of a road that i went through from montana down to i think it was wyoming Mm -hmm. and um you know, so I just went through a very portion, small portion of the state. It's not like I really had an Idaho experience, mm-hmm. but you know, I can claim it now on the list of states just because I've been there as if as if it means anything. <laughs> I, this is it's sort of a logical fallacy that bothers me. Um, you know, p- people say say something like, "Have you ever been to?" Israel, you know, when you talk oh, about Oh, that's the like East. saying, well, you're only this many years old, so I must be smarter than you. It's yeah, all. It's you ridiculous. Know, so a guy sets himself on fire here in Keene. I don't know anything more about it than you do, except, yeah. you know, what I hear. It, it, it doesn't matter where you are. 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Free Talk Live, live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You can give us a call at 603-435-1105. And we can talk about anything you want to talk about. We've been talking about sort of, well, there's this study that uh, you're reading about here, uh, Stephanie, that we haven't really gotten very but yeah, far into. We, we tried to broach the subject and we're accosted by phone calls. That's okay. We like that. Yeah. Uh, gen- genetics is an interesting subject, the nature-nurture subject. I, I think, you, it, you know, spans uh, the, the the culture. People want to know about it, that people are interested. If you like Free Talk Live and you want more people to find out about the message of liberty, perhaps uh, you know you're, you are an amplifier or you feel you can't afford to be an amplifier, there's another way you can help. You go to promote.freetalklive.com. We've got all kinds of tools for you to help promote Free Talk Live. Maybe you can think of some other ways to help promote Free Talk Live and send them to us, and we'll put them up on promote.freetalklive.com. So uh, check it out, promote.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they re- they purchase charged off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. Do business with businesses that support FTL. 
So um, let's hear about this, uh, you know, this this big genetic breakthrough here. Yeah, before we get sidetracked again. So, (laughs) So as I attempted to intro this article before, I was saying that it's a very pervasive attitude, I think, in society that people think, oh, well, I'm generous and I give to charity and I'm a good person, but my neighbors know they just can't be trusted to do that and they can't be, uh, they can't be uh, thought of as generous. Uh, they're just stingy and miserly. So we need the government uh, is the conclusion that follows that we need the government to do things like welfare and um, pay for people's health care and social security and stuff like that. Right. Well, that's uh, that's what people will say. Mm-hmm. So there's a new study that has examined the evolutionary benefits and costs of human generosity and has found that it's actually um, basically seems to be in human nature for people to be generous beyond the point where it would be predicted to be of an of an evolutionary benefit. Right. So these studies kind of take place and, and what they do is um, it's kind of this field called neuro- neuroeconomics where they study people's behavior Um, especially in economic scenarios where they're like, well, you have a certain amount of money and you can spend this money here and this money there. And what do you do? And then they tweak it and they give people different scenarios and then they click, well, I would do this or do that. You know, they make a decision. They find out what people do in certain circumstances. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And sometimes it's with real money and sometimes it's with fake money. But okay, so this article is from Science Daily and I'm I'm reading the Science Daily instead of the CNN because I like science. So it says, recently a team of scientists at UC Santa Santa Barbara conducted a series of computer simulations designed to test whether it was really true that evolution would select against generosity in situations where there is no future payoff. So they're they're comparing it to the example of like, you go to a foreign country and you're at a restaurant and, you know, you could very easily go and not tip the waiter or waitress and and it would benefit you because you would save whatever money was on the tip, but it would um, screw over the waiter or waitress because they wouldn't get their tip, right? Right. So why? I guess you could do that in any place that's outside of your town. One might make the argument that you would want to do that in a restaurant that you're likely to, um, you know, frequent on a, on a regular basis. But if you go, mm-hmm. you know, if you're traveling along the interstate and you stop, you know, from uh, New Hampshire to Florida, which I do on a relatively regular basis, you stop off in uh, South Carolina for dinner. Why would you tip the waitress? Right. I guess is the question. You'll never see her again. That's precisely it. So they're balancing the concept of, um, well, do you want to be generous and foster a good relationship with someone that you're likely to see again and have it be a long-term relationship? Or do you want to basically uh, take yourself, um, you know, p- put your own self-interest in front of someone who you are unlikely to ever see again and and throw them under the bus, essentially. Okay. <laughs> so it says when, and, and the current models or the current theories that they were working with predicted that people would be stingy and would not tip the waitress in a foreign country because they would be looking out for themselves. And there's no evolutionary gain to that. That was the the thought when, before they started this study. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of interested in this. I've never considered even doing that. Mm. You, it seems to me that you tip waiters and waitresses. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure that people come. I know people come from cultures where tipping is not, um, you know, commonplace. Yeah, uh, in I, some cultures, it's actually an affront. Or an folks insult. will say that Canadians, folks in the United States, servers in the United States, generally say that Canadians are poor tippers. Mm-hmm. But I hear that it's because they don't do tipping so much up there. I was up there, but I don't really remember much about the uh, the tipping experience. Mm-hmm. So tipping um, is a strange thing. It seems like a market signal, but really, it's 
can be kind of a poor mechanism of feedback, I think, because if someone gets a bad tip, they don't know why, right? Yep. They, they never, unless you tell them, which is rare. Or they can give you bad service and you will only give them 15%. Right. Like, and they so think Different they people tip well. different ways. <laughs> uh, you know, the best market signal is a short little note written to the server about how you felt your service was. Exactly. Or verbal feedback or something yep. like that. So, Mark, I have a question. Why do you why why would you tip a server in a foreign country or someone you're unlikely to ever see again? I don't even think about it in, in you know, to, to me that that is part of the process that one goes through to eat out. If you don't want to get leave a tip, don't eat out is the way I see it. Um, but, I, you know, I, I've also been a server and that sort of ingrains in one that, uh, you know, you, you do well under ser- un, unto servers and you will go to heaven, that kind of thing. <laughs> so are you, do you think there's a certain level of empathy there? What Like, I've been a server before and I really appreciated getting tips, so I wouldn't want to you know, hold back a tip from someone else who is my server I think now. To some extent, mm-hmm. okay. it, it may be that I don't know. I, uh, I, I was, I basically was a server while getting out of prison. I, uh-huh. While I was in work release, I was a server, and um, then when I got out of prison, I did some serving uh, too. So essentially, my entire adult life has been I was a server in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been thinking that way. Yeah. So, well, the article doesn't mention the concept of empathy really, but I think empathy is huge in this and. I think that it's one of the things, or if not the thing, that makes us human is the ability to feel what another person is feeling or might be feeling in a certain circumstance, to put ourselves in another person's shoes. So I think that plays a huge role in why people do things like tip. Well, that's it's um, compelling storytelling. Uh, when you look at the stories that make the news the biggest, it's, it's the ones that are sort of the, the most interesting where people can really put themselves into that circumstance mm-hmm. one way or the other. People can relate. Uh, and yeah, people can relate to. And those are, you know, that's uh, that's 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 part of the whole the, the narrative, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this article uh, says this is basically their conclusions. When past researchers carefully measured people's choices, they found that people all over the world were more generous than the reigning theories of economics and biology predicted that they should be. So said one of the paper's lead authors. Right. Even humans when, are irrational when it comes to generosity. Irrationally generous. Yes, exactly. I exactly. think they are too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I've my experience has been that people want to help people. You need to tell them the story, and it can be difficult. For, for instance, one of the areas that really bothers people is in a free market. How would a free market take care of people who have some kind of illness that disallows them from working? Yep. Um, you know, what, what if they have no arms and no legs? Mm-hmm. What if they are very, very mentally ill? Mm-hmm. What if they have, uh, you know, some kind of disease that just prevents them from working? That kind of thing. And I, you know, these are tough questions. There's, they're important questions. They're tough questions. And I can well, see and you, and why you could people say would... something like people have empathy and they care and they wouldn't want themselves to be in that situation. And so they would support someone who was like that, or maybe their family members care about them and would raise money and so forth. But people tend not to believe you because I've, Oh, yeah. I've made that argument before. And they say, well, of course, I would support someone, but I don't think anyone else would. Well, my economic argument from uh, earlier this week where I pointed out that it really only need you really only need point one percent of the population to uh, to pitch in. Then, you know, pretty much everybody will agree that, well, we can find one in a thousand people to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that much is true. Yeah. One argument that I think that kind of um, is 
is good for the side of, say, the socialists, as it were, the uh, is that, well, what about the dignity of getting a check every month and not having to go out and, you know, beg at a uh, not for profit organization for, you know, money to support myself? Don't doesn't a person with no arms and no legs deserve the dignity of being able to not work and get a check from the government? And how this, is that dignified? I, that, that's really the, you know, the question that one might ask. Yeah, it seems to me like both are kind of equally undignified. I mean, the, the dignified thing in that scenario would be to produce something of value and then get paid for it. Right. Yeah. I think I think that also for one, I think that you would find uh, people you know, reacting differently, um, you know, just the, the, the marketplace reacting differently if there weren't these this organization that's going to supposedly mm. take care of folks. And then it decides whether or not it's going to take care of them. I mean, you know, the governments in the past have also eliminated those people in oh, terrible ways. Throw them under the bus. Yeah. Kill them. 603 43 1105 free talk live Liberty Maniacs is the largest online Liberty brand. Featured the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered hats, and over 100 different products from around the world. From hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary, Liberty Maniacs is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Best of all, Liberty Maniacs offers a no-hassle, money-back guarantee on all products. LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're going to keep the uh, conversation rolling here, keep it entertaining for you. My name's Mark. And I'm Stephanie. And uh, we've been talking about sort of uh, genetic sort of genetic predispositions in sort of male-to-female relationships. And we've been talking about, uh, well, are humans genetically predisposed to be generous? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, you have more to share on this uh, this article, Stephanie? Yeah. So in the last hour, we were discussing an article about a recent study that showed that, um, rec- you know, prevailing theories of biology and psychology sort of predicted that humans might not be very generous. In other words, they would be likely to do something like stiff a waiter or waitress on a tip that they would never see again, like in a foreign country or something. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I you know, you presented the idea and it makes perfectly good sense to me. Mm-hmm. Ah, one should stiff waiters in foreign countries. But, but why don't people do that? Why don't people do that? Yeah. And so the researchers have a inkling about why. And it says um, there are two errors that a cooperating animal, I guess they mean a human, can make, and that one is more costly than the other. Believing that you would never meet this individual again, so like the waiter in a foreign country, you might choose to benefit yourself at his expense, only to find out later that the relationship could have been open-ended and you would see him again. So to make this error, you lose out on all the benefits that you might have had from a long-term, perhaps lifelong cooperative relationship. This is an extraordinarily costly error to make. The other error you could make is to mistakenly assume that you will have that you will have additional interactions with the other individual and therefore cooperate with him only to find out later that it wasn't necessary. And although you were unnecessarily nice in this one interaction, the cost of this error is relatively small. 
So they're saying it's worse to make the mistake of assuming that, oh, I'll never per- see this person again. What do I care about him? It's worse to make that mistake and turn out to be wrong than it is to make the mistake of assuming that you will see the person again and then turn out to never see them again. So it, it actually is rational and it does make sense from an evolutionary perspective for people to be generous. That's okay. what they're saying. Well, I'm not sure that I, uh, I, I I go for their particular reasoning. To me, this sounds like I believe what there is a right and a wrong thing to do, and I'm going to do that thing that is right or wrong. Um, that would be why I would do it. Well, for one, I'm conditioned to tip waiters and waitresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I look at that uh, belief, I would look at it from the standpoint of saying, well, you know, it's a good idea to tip them because I want better service and this is a reward for good service and people should be rewarded for good behavior. That I wouldn't be operating in a self-interested way. I'd be op- operating in a moral way because my self-interest is in propagating a universal morality. Mm-hmm. That would be the reason that I would choose to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I stop and think about it, I've presented this. I I got stiffed by a guy um, in you know I was waiting tables. He left me no money, and I know why. Um, I, I suspect I know why. I had served him uh, in the past, mm-hmm. and I had gotten eh, meager tips out of the guy. So I'm, I'm going to believe he's cheap. Uh, he brought his family to the restaurant, and his wife uh, had a southern accent, and she asked for an asti. Mm-hmm. So I brought her an asti spumante. Uh. And um, I thought that she was asking for an Asti Spumante. Now, this is a very conservative place. I'm going to jump to a conclusion here. I'll say they're teetotalers. Uh But this is just a a conclusion I've jumped to, not that it's true. And he didn't tip me based on the – he did not tip me, um, and there had been that mistake in the the serving situation. When I see this guy again, if I'm ever to see him again, if I were to recognize his face 10 years later, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to do anything bad to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to think about you know I'll think about it if I actually know who this guy is. Mm-hmm. I, but you know nothing bad is going to happen to you if you choose not to tip a waiter or a waitress. So I think that I think that their conclusions are wrong there and what they're the, the sort of they're drawing. I think that um you know <laughs> the human animal may be genetically wired to be generous i don't know that i'm re- exactly getting what they're what they're claiming you don't you don't think it's for the reason that they suspect necessarily for, yeah yeah so i have a question do you think people who have been servers in the past tend to be higher tippers i that's that's what i've always heard mm-hmm. but i, I mean what's that too. what is the reason then what is the rational self-interest idea here um behind that i mean why why would they be if if people act in self-interested fashions because and I, I don't think they necessarily i think they act in greater self-interested fashions many times yeah and so they're saying in this article that it actually is self-interested in more of a long-run sort of way to be a generous tipper as opposed to stiffing the person, because it could be so costly to ruin that relationship that could be potentially a lifelong, you know, that that guy that you didn't tip could turn out to be your best friend, right? And so they're saying that people know that but on some level. But that's pretty remote. Oh, yeah, it's a very remote, but it's so costly if it were to happen that they're saying that it actually does make sense to err on the side of generosity. I think in- they're right. I just don't. Uh, I just don't agree entirely with the conclusions that they're they're making. Sure. I've got all I the think- best friends I need. You know? well, yeah, yeah. But if you're a caveman, maybe you don't. I don't know. It's better to have uh, um, you know people being happy with you than than unhappy. There's there's no doubt about it. I think it's it's, you know, it's it's very interesting. But I think 
I think I agree with you, Mark, that I kind of question their conclusion. I think it may have more to do with actual empathy rather than just cold, calculated, rational self-interest. I think it's probably a little more. I, I think it, it's, it goes back to the very, very, very um, prescient, of, uh, insightful libertarian statement that if if people are good then why do we need a, a government mm-hmm. or a, a monopolistic government that uses force to get mm-hmm. what it wants? And if people are evil, then and if people the are evil, evil people will... why in the world would you want to give them a monopolistic government over which to take control? Right. And then, the, you know, the, the sort of the middle one, which everybody really believes, is if some people are good and some people are evil, don't you think the evil people would be attracted to a monopolistic government that uses force to get people um, to get what they want from people? Oh, of course. I mean, do you really trust the the average voter? I mean, think think about what you think about the person who's in the other party. Don't you think that they're <laughs> stupid, bigoted? Uh, you know, I mean, all, whatever uh, bad adjective what, you could every imagine. bad adjective. This is what you think of the person who's in the other party, whether it's Republican, Democrat. Well, yeah, um, but the political thr- system, I'm sorry, the political system thrives on that kind of mentality absolutely. where it's us versus them, red sure. team versus blue team. And people aren't cooperating, as this article suggests, people are thinking of each other as in groups and out groups. And it's all oh, those darn Republicans or all those damn Democrats. They're well, there's evil, a reason they're for that. Yeah. It's because the it's because the people on the other side really do want to use force and violence to put you in a situation that you prefer not to be in. So oh, right. it makes sense for you to be angry, pissed, um, <laughs> you, know, d- d- you know, dangerous. It makes sense for you to want to use violence to stop them from doing that. Yeah, the That's, the, the fallacious well, idea is this that. You should use violence to get them to do what you want them to do. Uh, you know, if you want them to stop, that's one thing. If you want them to do something else, that's another thing entirely, is my opinion. Well, right. And all you have to do to kind of show that is to ask people, you know, there there are a lot of instances where one party, one political party will get into control of some government and they'll start doing all kinds of things like they'll pass these uh, executive orders that just do whatever the president wants. And the, the reigning party or the party in charge is, is fine with that. But then you ask them, well, what would happen if the Democrats got power and did the exact same thing? And then they go into an uproar. Well, so all you have so, to do is take a look at history over the last 10 years. We've had all Republican and all Democrat history here in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, all Republican, all uh, Democrat uh, you know, administrations, essentially. And the things that the the Republicans are pissed off. Barack Obama does the things that uh, George Bush did. Oh, yeah. And, and, very, and vice versa. Very, similar policies. Yeah. And the Democrats, you know, Democrats were real good on anti-war issues when Barack Obama wasn't in power. But well, you can see what happened it. to the anti-war movement since 2008. It's yeah. despicable. It's disgusting. Barack Obama has fired more cruise missiles than every other Peace Prize winner combined. Yeah. I mean, and, and what are the Democrats going to do? What are the pe- people that believe in peace going to do? They're going to vote for this murderer again. Yeah. And by murderer, I mean murderer. Um, if I were to, <laughs> if, if I were to be legit, funny, I'm laughing. Legitimately, I'm, I, I, I'm hilarious. You know, no. uh, legitimately angry at somebody who had done some wrong to me, and I attempt to harm them, and in the process, I harm someone else. The government would call that murder. Sure, unless and you do it in a foreign country and use, use a military collateral damage. This is why I stopped participating in politics.
We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. Six zero three four three five eleven zero five. It's uh, Free Talk Lives Live Sunday Edition. It's Mark with you and Stephanie and and, and Stephanie. You know, um, <laughs> I got uh, Ian told me um, that we were going to that a, a station has already agreed to um, carry Free Talk Live. So before we're on a satellite, we've already got an agreement for a station, which I think is is fa- fantastic, and I'm sure uh, people will be pleased. Obviously, lining I'm, them up. <laughs> I, yep, um, it's uh, th- things are going well. Uh, we're we're on course to be on uh, the satellite shortly. I don't know whether we'll have stations right out of the, 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 the gate. I know that this one is lined up for shortly after. It will not be the first um, first show. But even being on the satellite will put us on GCN's website, which has a few hundred uh, more listeners. Um, oh, cool. That's great. And, of course, they won't be used to listening in that time slot uh, to Free Talk Live, which will get some shocked people saying, what are you people talking about? And which... <laughs> I, you what know, would just, they be expecting instead? I can't get enough of that. Yeah. I cannot get enough of people who have never heard the message of liberty calling in to Free Talk Live and getting the opportunity to talk to them. Some of them I think I do really well with. You know, I, I get an opportunity, I get the chance to talk to them. I can be convincing and really, uh, you know, hit other ones I just go bat s crazy on. And, uh, you know, I. So this is something that I'd like to change for myself. We had a guy call in uh, last night, um, Saturday night, and um, he was pretty convinced that um, it was integration that ruled uh, that ruined the public uh, school system. I heard that call and I was screaming at my computer. And we needed him to. <laughs> I needed him to clarify just to make sure that uh, that I was sure what what he was saying. And, and sure enough, it's them black folks that um, and they're dum dums and uh, oh, oh, so sad. Yeah, and that's what I think to bring this full circle. That's what we were talking about. In the first segment when some people say well there are these inherent racial differences that mean that certain races are smarter and certain races are dumber than others and that's just nonsense people are individuals and wow that guy was not cool with me (laughs) in my book so um i you know we've been talking about uh sort of genetic differences in humans specifically um some some racial gender differences plus um we've been talking about sort of the genetics of generosity mm-hmm. and somebody sent me an email during the break and i think that this is uh, this is this is something that needs to be talked about this is important right because okay. i said um something to the effect of that it that basically that People can be taken care of in the free market. People that have disabilities, no arms, no legs, yeah. um, you know, that kind of thing. They can be taken care of in the free market. I think that this, per- this person brings up an important point mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. So he says, uh, dude, ask yourself this. Who are people far more likely to care about? The sweet kid with cerebral palsy who's in the wheelchair or the kid who has behavioral problems and, flo- and throws violent tantrums? Uh, there are people out there that um, you know have mental illnesses like uh, you know Asperger's syndrome and things like that that basically turn them to, into s heads, right? Like you know if if you didn't know that this person was mentally ill, you'd say, oh well, what terrible behavior he must be a jerk or something like that. You would agree with this? Mm, I don't know. I think maybe I am a little bit biased because I'm very aware of medical problems and 
if someone's really acting like that much of a jerk, I might assume that they might have a condition. Okay, you know. well, I, I you might assume that, but I think yeah. most people assume that jerks are jerks. Maybe, but wrongly so. Okay, I think yeah. In, indeed. But I think that this, I think this is a true statement. Um, and he says, uh, you remember Dennis Leary's routine about how, when it comes to animal rights, people only want to save the cute animals. Um, and he says, I hate to tell you that uh, the same thing applies to humans as it does to uh, animals. And this is this is true. I think that that people do want to uh, save the whales, and they could care less about the plankton. Um, you know, that charismatic megafauna is the term that they will use to uh you know big cute animals yes the world wildlife foundation has a panda as its symbol for a reason there's a reason that they um they use tigers or you know in these uh, fundraising things oh tigers could be wiped out you know there's lots of things that could be that are in danger of being wiped out little you know schmutz that grows on rocks nobody cares about and this is true largely um that people don't show a sweet picture of a koala but koalas are actually quite vicious (laughs) stick your little finger up you don't need no cutie koala they will will F you up (laughs) (laughs) ouch um, this is absolutely true now one thing that needs to be understood is that these organizations will use the panda bear the koala bear to do the fundraising and then they'll help the dirty little schmutz that grows on a rock Mm, Um, in a lot of cases that's what they do Secondly, you know, there have been a lot of I don't know how things are in other countries, but there have been a lot of uh, of, of studies done on people that panhandle in metros mm-hmm. and the kind of money, fifty thousand dollars a year, somebody who panhandles you know, for four or five hours a day um, can make in a metro, people will just throw money at them. When you consider that the average person, you know, the, the average person who makes, I guess average isn't the right term, people that make sort of low incomes, there's no doubt that there are differences in human beings. Some people are better at making money. Some people are worse. There's no doubt at all. But if you look at sort of the average person at Starbucks, mm-hmm. they could probably make more money by dressing in dirty clothes and sitting in, sitting on a um, blanket and putting a hat in front of them. Hmm. They could make more money by panhandling than they could by, um, you know, by working. serving, working and serving coffee. So where is this going? Is this person? The point that I'm trying to make is, no, this isn't true. Uh, it's about... It's about marketing oneself. Even a person who has issues with behavioral issues, they probably, in most cases, can handle themselves for short periods of time. And if they can go out, they can do some panhandling. I've seen a panhandler had uh, had a sign that said, too crazy to work. You know, Um, I mean, you know, he's just laying it out there for people. You've seen people with a sign that says, why lie? It's for beer. Support the beerless. People give folks that have those kind of signs all kinds of money. Well, you know that they're okay. I don't want to go go ahead and say that all people who are mentally handicapped should be panhandlers. I think that they're I'm not saying they should either. No, but But I'm saying that it can be done. It does show that people are willing to support uh, folks like that. Panhandling has a long and uh, a storied existence. It's important to emphasize the point, though, that there those people are not unemployable. There are very few people who are completely unemployable. I would agree. And especially now with technology, there are jobs that people can do that don't have a full, you know, usual, typical intellectual capacity or maybe don't have certain limbs. And, you know, another thing that is really important, I think, to bring up in this discussion when we're looking at it compassionately and, and, and trying to empathize with these people is how many fewer handicapped and disabled people would there be 
if the government weren't sending people into wars and creating lots of disabled veterans mm-hmm. who are so not the competition only- for the uh, panhandling dollar would be um, you know diminished there thereby leaving mm-hmm. you know more money for those that do panhandle I you know and I'm not saying I advocate panhandling necessarily I'm I don't just think saying it's the only option for those people. I'm, I wouldn't claim it was I the mean, only option it's the one that popped to my mind that well, would for, refute this have you ever heard of this mark this this is an interesting solution there are some Charities and businesses, um, both, who employ people who are unemployable at the current rate, which is minimum wage, right? Yes. And they would they would Blind hire people that make brooms, right? They would hire people for like three dollars an hour to do things, and you know they're earning some money, and the company's getting a service, but often minimum wage laws prevent that, so it just hurts the people who it's purporting to help. Sure, but I I would still say that those people probably would make more money panhandling. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A -a pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Lives, live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You can call in and participate in the conversation or make take it in any direction you'd like. It's your show. Do what you'd like. 603-435-1105. And check out the archives. We have uh, archives going back to 2006. No other show does this. No other radio show does this for you that I know of. Um, it makes the archives available to you completely free uh, going back years and years. I'm sure that there are some podcasts that do this. I, um, I know Stefan Molyneux has a lot available. 2000. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot available. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, but he's a podcast, not a radio show, mm-hmm. even though it says it's called Free Domain Radio. Mm. But whatever. Anyway. Go get them. They're free. Freetalklive.com. There's really not much competition between Free Talk Live and Stefan Molyneux. You're talking about two totally different types of shows. Yeah, very different, but there is a lot of overlap. And yeah. um, I, I really enjoy Free Domain Radio, I have to say. Oh, I, me too. Like Free, free Talk Live and, and the guy's shows. funny. Funny and yeah. very insightful and smart. Yep. I've gotten a lot out of it. Yep. So go get your archives at archives.freetalklive.com. <laughs> Not to diminish from the Free Talk Live promo, of course. No. But, <laughs> okay, so are you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the first, the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency and is gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world, and their value seems to be only growing with time. To learn more, visit weusecoins.org. That is weusecoins.org. Thanks very much for that. Let's go straight into the calls. Tyrone in Georgia. Are you there? Yeah, that's me. Hey, Tyrone. Uh, so what are you thinking about? Um, I didn't listen to the show last night. But um, you just said some um, some guy called in and said that uh, desegregation was the worst thing that happened to public schools. Yeah. Yeah, some old codger who seems to be really stuck in <laughs> he an He sounded old... white. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not that well, we can assume, you know, but yeah. I'm gonna um I'm gonna have to uh well I'm gonna have to agree with him not as far as schools go, but as far as black people as a whole. Okay. I think desegregation ruined black people as a whole. How's because that? Because it made us depend on something. It made us depend on people other than ourselves, which took us completely out of what we were doing before then. Before desegregation, we had nothing but ourselves to rely on, and we had just really, just really booming societies and communities, and we were doing it all ourselves because we had no choice. When uh, desegregation came in, you know, we started, you know, uh, I'm not... It just wasn't good for us. I'll just, I'll just put well, it that way. Let me, um, let me posit something here. Uh, there's a lot that happened during sort of the, the time of the civil rights revolution in the 60s that one could collapse together. Um, now, I read some F, uh, e, W.E.B. Dubois, and his idea was that um, the, be- the only way that black people would get respect would be by doing business with white people because white people would be incentivized to treat them as equals and, and things like this. And mm. I, I had to entirely no. agree with, uh, with that particular no. philosophy. And certainly no. there's a lot of uh, you know, sort of black on black business out there, and that's um, that. Black that on works. black business. Well, I mean, you know, inside the communities, when you've got, uh, you know, you've got. Sure, just. I know, I, it's, it's sounded, black on black violence yeah, is a, a term, but it, I'm just trying to draw a picture here. And Tyrone, it sounds like you disagreed with that. Why? Why do you disagree? Yeah, because, um, we had, um, and I can think of a few. We had a few black Wall Streets were just absolutely just, you know, we were just the best that we were doing. In fact, we were so good that the uh, the white community that surrounded us didn't like it and they ran us out and burned us out and killed a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. It happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It wow. happened in Rosewood, Florida, and it's in a few other cities. They just could not stand it. Uh, this much is true, but do you under, do you understand how integration would help prevent that? Like you don't see that happening um too no, no, much. No, 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 I don't see that. No, no. Well, because it, it made us it made us rely on it made us rely on other than ourselves. And it, and since we could do business now with white people, we didn't want to do business with black people anymore because we figured white was better. Why? So we just, and all the black businesses closed. I, I don't know. You know. Mm, Tyrone, I, I have a question. I, I have a suggest, or I don't know, something I want to posit to you. Um, do you think that it was a bad idea, just as it was a bad idea for the government to forcibly separate blacks and whites and prevent you know, them from using the same facilities and going to the same schools. Do you also think it was a bad idea for them, the government, to kind of force them together when maybe it would have been better to just let people choose who to associate with based on whatever they wanted to? Force is always wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I I even today, even now, if someone doesn't want me in their business because I'm black, I would agree with that because I don't want to be nowhere no one wouldn't want me to be. Indeed. And I don't want to give my money to someone that doesn't want me, that doesn't want my money. But Ty- Tyrone, sure. here's what I would want, though, is I would want you, is assuming I had some kind of retail business, I would want you in my business. And my concern is what it sounds to me like you're saying is, is that you're better off being in some black person's business, but I would want you in mine. So, so well, no. compete. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But how do I compete with somebody who says that, yeah, that integration is bad? I mean, if you wanted me in your business, of course I would come. But if you didn't want me in your business, I don't want to be there because I don't want to be anywhere 
<laughs> I don't. Well, people don't want me. Same here. Right. And so I think, this. Uh, Rand Paul got into a little problems when he said yep. that, and I agree with Rand Paul when he said that. I don't. Don't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. If no one wants to do business with me because I'm black, then please, by all means, do not do business with me because I'm black. I would love and to I hear. I, I, I love to hear people's opinions as to why they wouldn't want to do business with somebody because they're black. Because I, I always find that very compelling and interesting. But I. It's interesting in a crappy racist well, way I, I just think it's interesting <laughs> why is it that people want that i mean because that it wouldn't be what i would want but um you know i i just I, don't like the the force the whole force thing forcing yeah, sure. someone to like somebody it causes them the problems with the whole busing thing that went up in boston it causes when you force people to do things that they yep. don't want to do it just caused problems tyrone i completely agree with you and i think i can relate in the perspective you know i'm a white person but i'm a woman and I don't want to do business. I don't want to work for a misogynistic employer who hates me because I'm a woman, or I don't want to do business with someone who hates women. I mean, it's insulting. It's like I'll just take my money somewhere else. You know, one of the problems exactly. I see, sort of, uh, in histor- historical situations, is that it was, you know, there was a problem created by the government, uh, which is these Jim Crow laws, and then it was attempted to be undone in a very short period of time by the government. And right. you know, black people had a very difficult time making footholds. They were they were discriminated against. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it didn't matter whether they're up north, down south, wherever they were. They had but a heck not of a time. We had our own society. Indeed, not that much is true. I'm, I'm willing to. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to uh, give you that. But you did point out that things went too well, and then some bigots would come in and set everything on fire. So, uh, you know, I mean, it. It worked, and then it didn't work because of the same issues. And I'm not saying that people should be forced to integrate. I'm just saying that, um, you know, I... I like that that people are are um, that that people choose to do business with each other, you know, not based on race. You know, it seemed like clearly those the Jim Crow laws and all the segregation laws that were codified by the federal government and state governments were reflective of racism that was already present in the culture. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate. And I think that trying to use the same solution to that problem, which is force, forceful integration or forceful whatever, you know, trying to get blacks and whites to mix when there was still racism present in the culture would not work because it's not addressing the underlying issue of the problem, which is racism. And so changing people's hearts and minds has to come. I mean, of course, those laws shouldn't have existed in the first place, but the real way to fix that problem is is uh, is education. So t- t- can you really change someone? If someone doesn't like black people, can you really change their mind? I mean, do you even really want? Because I don't. I my opinion is they just die. Effort. My my opinion is that generally they just die. The old racists, they uh, but, just well, die. You know that you you once somebody gets past a certain age, it's very difficult to change their mind on anything. And that I would say that oh, as yeah. you go back in sort of the generational cells, you you take somebody who's uh, you know forty to to fifty, fifty to sixty, sixty to seventy. As you go back, I think you would find larger and larger amounts of sort of racism or bigotry or discrimination. Hey, or when I encounter an old person who is sexist, and believe me, there are a lot of old people who are sexist. I try to change their mind. I I tell them, you know, how does someone's gender affect their ability to drive or something like that? And I don't think it's they're beyond hope. I don't think we should give up. Tyrone, thanks for the thoughts. 603-435-1105, Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. 
Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. It's Free Talk Live's Live Sunday edition with Mark and Stephanie. Go check out uh, amp.freetalklive.com. It's an opportunity for you to support the work that we do here at Free Talk Live. All the money will go to advertising and marketing and promoting Free Talk Live. It doesn't go to uh, paychecks or strippers and blow or whatever it is that you might be considering that we, (laughs) we might do with it. Stephanie, I'm not sure what she would do with it. But, uh, <laughs> Definitely I, going for some hookers and blow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, three bucks a month, it'll get you all kinds of benefits. There are all kinds of benefits. Uh, probably the single biggest benefit is the uh, Amplifier podcast where it's, uh, you know, recorded ad free. So go check out amp.freetalklive.com. And we just had uh, Tyrone call in from Georgia, and he was uh, talking about um, how he believes that uh, forced integration. And I, as the call went on, I, I sort of got a little bit more what he was talking about. That forced integration was uh, bad for um, the black community, and he you know made some strong points on that. Um, it's hard to say that forced integration. I, I think it kind of sped along to some extent. The people getting used to each other. You know, certainly there was a lot of bumps in the road initially. Um, um, and I can see, you know, you have to deal with reality, and I can see why that is. I used to be a bigot. I went into prison in 1989, mm. a person who, you know, chose not to see race in any way, shape, or form. As I had been there over time, you know, people are as people are. And I began to sort of draw generalities. Obviously, I'm dealing with not the greatest element in the world um, on either side, you know, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. But you, in that circumstance, you have a tendency to kind of take sides, and some of the sides that are taken are race. They're is e- it is this like a survival thing? Like to some extent. Okay. Yep. Um, but you know you. So if you're discriminated against because of your skin color, which I was, yep. Um, you're likely to be. Th- and this is and this happens to a lot of, of of black folks is they get discriminated against and then they're angry. And what that oh, doesn't sure. do is what it, how that doesn't work is it doesn't uh, just because somebody else treated you badly doesn't mean I treated you badly. Why are you treating me badly if they treated you badly? I, you know, I, I may have the same color skin, but that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Sure. It could be. I could see how it would be really hard right. to see that. But, yeah, people are individuals and that's viewing people as individuals is the antidote to racism, sexism, homophobia, everything like that. Now, uh, what I would like to point out is that there's this phenomenon among many people that will make sort of generalized racist statements that um, they don't they aren't really racist. They are not in their heart. And that is, for instance, in prison, I picked on multiple occasions a black guy as my roommate. I had the ability to pick roommates in there because of my uh, stature um, in the inmate population. I was the staff canteen operator. Um, you know, I'd been in that prison for longer than anybody. Uh, and I could just say, I want this guy as my roommate. And I get them. Mm-hmm. And I picked on multiple occasions black guys. Um, not every time. I, I didn't, you know, there's there, uh, the, the really no uh, pattern as to, to uh, you know, based on race as to who I picked. I picked who I felt was the best person that I could get at that time um, that was sort of available. And was this when you considered yourself a bigot? I wouldn't have considered myself a bigot at any point. Bigots now, don't generally do that. But, but when I look back, back, yes. Like I would have made generalized statements about black people like, 
they can jump t- jump higher. They're not as smart, you know, like these kind of old old ideas. And well, I consider people say stuff. I know, I, I, right? Yeah, uh, consider I that this is uh, nineteen eighty, you know, ni- the early nineteen nineties. There's no internet, and you know, it's, it's not like uh, the prisons full of uh, really um, informed people. But I'm just saying these are yeah. the kind of statements I would have made. Yeah. However, I wasn't acting like it. Like, like, you know, so, so there's this greater and lesser sort of uh, mm-hmm. bigotry. And you also often hear people say, yeah, well, you know, there's uh, some black people are black people and some black people are inwards. And they're, they're sort of making this distinction in their own mind. It's it's a bigoted sort of coarse distinction. But they're all I'm saying is, is that I don't think racism's quite as uh, – it's not as deep-seated any longer as it used to be. I think that it's being rooted out over mm. time. I think that as the generations go by, many of these ideas are getting gotten rid of. Um, I hope so. I really do. And I, I think you're and I probably think there right. Hope, there's hope for people that, that may have um, you know, these ideas. I thought that because black people um, are more likely to commit crime, that black people are criminal. Well, they're more likely to be arrested, but how much of that is institutionalized racism? Well, and how of much of it's cultural because they're pissed? Um, you know, there's not, and not all of them, just sort of these you know, ones that live in enclaves and things like that. I don't know how much of badly. it is the, I don't know. the police patrolling the black they do. neighborhoods. They do. absolutely of, do. Yeah. I mean, and they're looking for people to arrest, of yeah. course. And so I don't think you can say they culturally commit more crime or anything like that. I, I don't. I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. and, and like there's other distinctions to be made. Would you say I have um, I've, we've got a call here and I want to get to it. But sure. I have a friend, um, you know, Julian, he's my best friend and he's uh, black. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like like I don't have a good word to describe sort of inner city uh culture that's kind of uh you know that they tend to be more black and that kind of thing but you know like he doesn't fit that when when he talks on the phone i've i've seen situations i there was actually a situation where a guy says don't bring any black people with you to him he was he was you know going to sell insurance to this guy um and (laughs) so he sounds sort of culturally white and i think that there are cultures that are difficult to distinguish and it people will be lazy and say black culture do you know what I mean? And when it doesn't, black culture doesn't fit all of black people, but it does fit some people oh, that are black. Oh, sure. I've heard that, you know, like the they're associating it with music or something like that. But yeah. I don't know that it is. I don't, I don't know what it's associated with. Yeah. Anyway, let's take this call. They're probably smarter than we are. Free Talk Live. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> hey, Cliff in Miami. Who is this? It's Cliff in Miami. Hey, Cliff. Hey, How Cliff. are you? Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I didn't really call about that, but I just thought it was pretty interesting as far as uh, it is definitely a cultural thing as far as uh, what what people perceive as, you know, the way black people are, the way white people are, or whatever other type of people. As far as I can tell, is you stick any kind of person within a specific culture and uh, you give them a few years and they'll start, you know, integrating, acclimating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'll start becoming more and more part of that, that culture. So Makes sense. Uh, on that note. But I just wanted to follow up with a, with a call that I made last Sunday. I, I listened to the show, and I, uh, my, my, as far as I can tell, uh, what I was trying to <laughs> – the, the thought that I was trying to – Give us a reminder here, uh, Cliff, just uh, you know, for, for folks that don't remember. Yes, it's a, this is about a doctor in, uh, in Texas, uh, Dr. Brzezinski, who has made a claim that he's uh, found more or less a cure for cancer. Okay. And by, and by a cure for cancer, what it actually is, is a remedy that gives much better result than in the conventional, not to mention it's non-toxic. So that's what it really is. And the process, as I understand it, I, I kind of looked into it a little bit more to understand what it is. I don't know whether or not it's, it's you know, here's, here's my understanding of it. 
it, it uses two, two different processes. The first process is a uh, uh, controlled salt, uh, uh, control salt test, which is um, a w- control uh, what? Essentially, what happens? Salt, salt test. Salt test. Cell death. So what happens death. is, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. So what happens basically is in the body, uh, cells pretty much tell each other when to die, when to replicate. You know, by, they just you know use uh, use uh, chemicals to communicate to each other as far as what it is that, that they're supposed to be doing. Okay. You mm-hmm. know, and um, so what he's what uh, the, the process that he uses is actually called antineoplastins, which I think neoplastins are carcinogens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Stephanie, I hope you're taking that. care of this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm reading about it right <laughs> yeah, now. I, I know, yeah, I like I like calling I like calling on Sunday because I know she's she's a medical person, so I think she might be interested in it. Yeah. Uh, but what they, yeah, so what they are basically are peptides and amino acids mm-hmm. that uh, basically I guess mimic the the signals that the cells would send to a defective, you know, for lack of a better word, a defective cell to mm-hmm. tell them, hey, it's time to die. So mm-hmm. basically, what his remedy does is pretty much tell the tells the cancer cells, the hey, it's time to die. And the second aspect of it is, uh, is, uh, it's, it's, it's about this genetics. It's, it's about um, turning on the cancer-fighting cells, for lack of a better word, okay. the cells that you know would would be in you know looking for defective cells, and turning off the genes that produce cancer-causing cells. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a three-part process, as far as I can tell. The first part is to to go ahead and, and, and you know send signals out to the, to the cells, letting them know that uh, time to die. The second part is you know turning on the cells that are supposed to do that naturally. The mm-hmm. third part is turning off the cells. I'm sorry, t- turning off the gene that produce the, the cells that will be car- uh, cancer-causing the uh, cells, essentially. Uh-huh. And um, it did go, again, I went through the first two stages of uh, the uh, FDA process, but where, where I was going with that is when you when you talk about, like, uh, monopolies, and I think that's one of the things that you guys have said in the past that I think is, is, is inaccurate, which is that, well, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't these pharmaceuticals be interested in, in you know, producing this medicine? That uh, you know, save countless number of people, and I'll say no. The reason for that is they're they're they're, they're pretty close to being monopolies. And the, the cartels. Closer and closer you get yeah. to, mini me, yeah, they're they're basically the cartels. Exactly, the pharmaceutical industry is is cartelized. So when you're when you're part of a very small group of people that can produce whatever the product is, your 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 urge to innovate actually goes down. You don't want to innovate because the, the the cost of innovation becomes too high. You know, so you know, creating a new creating a new medicine is not is not is not really your goal. Yeah, about, and Cliff, um, I wonder I wonder how many of these treatments of Dr. Brzezinski's are not able to be patented because they're based on like natural products. Is that something that factors into? And actually, one of the things he actually yes, hold the line, uh, hold the line, yeah. Cliff. Six zero three four three five eleven zero five. Free talk live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. It's Mark with you. 
And Stephanie. And we're going to have uh, Mandrick walked into the studio. So, you know, hey, <laughs> it's a it's podcast only show. Things are things are fast. Things are loose here tonight on uh, Free Talk Live. So we're just going to have him. Speak for yourself, Mark, again. You're not fast, fast or loose. loose. No I way. didn't even know I was coming on the show tonight. No, no, I just told you to. Just okay, to. thanks. <laughs> and, and you're going to have to. Mandrick. Thank you're you. You're going to have to keep your mouth shut. We'll hear while we're talking to Cliff because uh, you probably don't have any idea what he's talking about. Hi, Cliff. So, yeah. Um, we, in the, the, the last hour, uh, we were talking to Cliff about, um, well... The cancer treatment. Yeah, it's, it's doctor cancer treatment stuff. And mostly he's talking to Stephanie because I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Cliff, you there? Cliff? Hello. Can you hear yeah, me now? I'm still here. Sorry. Yep, no problem. Sure. Uh, well, the last thing I was mentioning is uh, Stephanie was asking about the uh, patent. And actually, he, uh, Dr. Brzezinski, has a ton of patents. And, uh, and it's more on processes as far as, you know, how he derives his uh, remedy. And uh, and one of the funny things about this is, you know, even though the FDA is is it actually affects, there might be a well, I'm, I don't know whether or not there was an ongoing battle, but there has been issues with the FDA finding him in courts, mm-hmm. uh, the Texas uh, 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 Medical Law Board, you know, finding him, uh, you know, you know, all over, you know, starting from you know whether or not this is effective to uh, you know to whether or not you know he was doing uh, interstate commerce, all kinds of nonsense. Um, the U.S. government actually went behind his back. And patented the exact, a lot of the exact same uh, uh, thing. I guess uh, whatever patents he already had, they wow. essentially you know double patented. I, I don't I don't know exactly how they they went about doing that, but wow. from, my, from my understanding is they have the power of, to do this. So they can create whatever product basically, and, and they, they call I guess they can call it for national security reasons or for whatever other reasons. You know they they feel like they're entitled to your patent, and so they've actually gone gone out there and and stolen his patents for lack of a better word, wow. where they can you know. I wonder why they would want to patent it if they really thought it was so bad or so ineffective, right? Actually, this kind of reminds me of the whole medical marijuana issue you guys were talking about a few days ago. Uh How, on the one on the one hand, the government's saying that there's no medical use for marijuana, and on the other hand, they're patenting processes or or remedies that can be derived from from uh, from marijuana plants. So it does seem to be, you know, whenever something like that happens, you know, I feel like someone is onto something. You know, so whether or not this is again, whether or not it's something that works, I don't know. But when I take a look, even if it's a placebo, when I when I see certain results, like you know, from his trials, again, these are his studies, not you know, this is not from the FDA studies, from his studies where, um, you know, he has 25 uh, percent survivability rates where there's only a one percent or less survivability rate. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's if it's a placebo. I'll take that placebo any time. Yeah, and what's he doing? It seems, what, what is he doing again to cure cancer? It looks like, well, from what I read on Wikipedia, it looks like he is administering, is administering certain peptides and metabolites of those peptides. And and what Cliff was saying earlier was that they kind of send signals to the cancerous cells that gotcha. say you should die in a programmed manner, which is called apoptosis for those scientifically inclined. And then they kind of activate the natural anti-cancer activity in the other cells around. Cliff, what's this guy's website? Uh, well, I think Brzezinski Research is with the Research Institute is one, and uh, basically just type in the word Brzezinski cancer with a D-U-R for Brzezinski, okay. and you know it'll, it'll come up. And I just thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, That's I, a good. I think it is interesting. Thank you, Cliff. Cure, this cure is for really cancer certainly would be, wouldn't it? Was this specifically with uh, brain tumors? Yeah, it's certain types of yeah, brain some tumors. Sort of like some kind of cancer that's the survivability rate's very, very low. Yeah. I've heard that like vegetarian diets can cure cancer. And the, th- the idea I've that, never seen evidence for that. Not, I, I didn't say, I, I should there not have said vegetarian of, diets. I should have said uh, diets say alkaline, high yeah. in vegetation or something like that. They're well, just you eating know, pl- like green plants and things like that. From the studies that. that I've seen, they've 
there was a study that I've seen, and the only one that I can remember seeing on this topic is they took a bunch of people and they stratified them by the amount of vegetables that they ate yes. and divided them into five uh, quintiles, which is like basically yeah. the lowest fifth or whatever. Yeah. And the the lowest fifth and the highest fifth of vegetable eaters had the highest rates of cancer. And it was like in the wow. middle, they were the high middle, like the fourth and third quintiles or whatever they were they were protected from cancer interesting Mm -hmm, relative to the others so it seems to favor moderation but you know i've heard this claim that like you know cancer can't live in an acid environment but there's never any evidence that i've seen to back it up and i'd be open-minded to reading about it i just yes you are open-minded to the i mean being as as scientific as you are one might think that you hate natraceutical cures for things no but and you not, don't. not at all that's not the case i i mean i let's see i uh i've eaten you know i do a lot of reading about nutrition and i eat sort of a paleo style diet and i think that's a most people consider that a natural way of you know uh maintaining good health and so forth and i'm definitely not adverse to supplements i think vitamin d has a lot of evidence to show that uh you know people probably need to get more of it and can't get it from diet so I'm not adverse to well, kind they do of have alternative vitamin D, um, stuff. Supplements, yeah, they do, right? Okay. And and most people, you know, up here in New Hampshire where we live, most people during the winter, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, they get deficient in it. So let's take a call. Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hey, this is Matt from Illinois. Hey, Matt, how hey, are Matt. you? What's up, Matt? I'm doing. I'm doing good. Um, you guys were talking about cancer cures, and um, I know of a couple of them. Uh, so I thought I'd just throw it out there for anybody who cares to look into them. You know the actual cures? Make... Yes, yes. These are actual cures. You know, there's different kinds of cancers and different kinds of cures for them. This is all natural stuff. One of them has been around since the 30s. It's called Essiac tea. I think we have to be really careful about getting on the air and saying this is a cure. I don't for have cancer. to be careful. I mean, Matt's, yeah. Matt has, you know. <laughs> I, I'm not endorsing this. Okay. I'm, I'm not a fan I'm of the C word. Right I don't think we have to be careful. I think you can say, I don't know that I agree with this. Sure. Okay. Sure. But this is stuff that you all can look into on your own. I'm just throwing it out there for information purposes. S E C T C. S E C T E S S I A C. Okay. And and the other um, product that I've heard has helped many a person with cancer become cancer free is called propolis. That's in, that's found in spelled. like propolis and myrrh. It's bumblebees. Yeah, it's found in honey, right, or it's in uh, beehives. I have no idea where it's from yes. or where, where, where it's a disinfectant. Where it, comes from. It, it is a it is a bee, uh, you know, sort of uh, derivative out there, and uh, you know, I, I I tend to like the bee things, um, you know, but I think to some extent this whole nutraceutical thing kind of sells people things that they're interested in. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't work. I know some stuff. Work. I know some stuff works. I've done my my own uh, you know tests on this. Matt, thanks yeah. for the call. Let's um, see some double blind, well, placebo controlled. I think that it can be of these uh, things. For please. one, I think that uh, people can fake these um, and say that they happened. And well, when anybody says this is the cure for cancer, that's, that's a ludicrous yeah. statement because can't there are There's many different, different types, types of cancer, of right. cancer. It, and you know they're all caused by the uncontrolled growth of cells. But you know, 
every, a lot of cancers are different, and I don't think one thing could cure all cancer. And if it did, I sense. think it might be a little bit more popular than it than it is. And I just I say this not to be a downer or to to sound pessimistic, but I just don't want people to get their hopes up and think I, that something might cure them. When hope it isn't won't. bad. Um, in well, my it opinion, it is bad. It is bad because people who are uh, who think that people are praying for them, people who who um, think that it's out of their hands, you know, whether they they get well or not, um, actually tend to do worse. It's it's almost and a so, denial of reality, right? To an it's extent. taking control of your own health and and taking an active responsibility and role in whatever um, you're trying to help or cure yourself with. But wouldn't eating right the you know different foods and stuff like that be taking an active role? Oh, I mean, yes, absolutely. Even the American Cancer Association, I believe, says stuff like, you know, broccoli has anti-cancer activity and stuff like that. But nobody's, if they have severe, you know, stage four pancreatic cancer, broccoli isn't going to cure you. You know what I mean? It might prevent something right. if you eat it over your life. Broccoli is a good thing to eat. There's no doubt about it. Once you have a seriously advanced or metastatic well, cancer. But if you eat too much, you're going to get cancer too because that's what uh, this other t- study well, showed because that's vegetation. Plants make anti-cancer chemicals because they're trying to ward off bugs and other animals from eating them. They're plants. They want to survive, right? So not only do they have things that kill cancer, they also have some things that harm you. Of course, they have nutrients but and things that are good for you. But there are also things that harm. So when it's a double-edged sword. Let's talk about uh, you know large disparities in age uh, in couples. Couples okay. like 17-year-old girls and 40-year-old guys dating. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keen is also the undisputed Liberty Media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, free books, a forum, and activist tools you can download and use in your area at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. Talk Live. Give us a call at 603 435 1105. It's Mark with you. And Mandrick. And Stephanie. So on Free Talk Live, we talk about uh, gold, investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some really special rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces um, over at gold.freetalklive.com. Go over there, check them out. There's all kinds of different uh, you know choices, and you can comparison shop and uh, get the best rates. We believe that we offer some of the best rates, but you should know for yourself. Plus, you can support Free Talk Live by going to gold.freetalklive.com. There's a telephone number, or you can order online. It's gold.freetalklive.com. So, Stephanie, you were telling me d- during uh, a previous break about a situation that uh, – well, t- tell me about it. a situation, some older guy dating a younger girl. Yeah, apparently 
you know, a lot of our world happens on Facebook and the social networks, uh, like it or not, I guess. And I've seen a fair amount of chatter, I guess, on Facebook about a relationship between a young lady who is um, 17 and a man who is in his 40s, I believe. Okay. And I kind of just wondered what you think about that. And I don't know. I mean, it seemed like kind of an interesting topic for discussion, given that there were like hundreds of comments on this Facebook status about it. You know, this person, basically the the older, um, you know, the 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 man was wondering about the legality of some things that uh, they would like to do. And, um, you know, said that they were the, the lady was above the age of consent in both of the states that they were residing in, but was kind of wondering about the legality of, of some stuff, uh, other stuff. And I don't know. It was just, um, you don't really care about the legality of, of things. It's, no, it's real, I, well, the I creepy aspect that I definitely don't think either one of them should be thrown in jail. If that's what you're saying, no way. I mean, I don't think that's the way to handle any kind of, um, relationship that maybe one, does not approve of. And I'm not saying I disapprove of this relationship. I don't know either one of them. And so I don't feel really qualified to make a judgment of any kind about it. Um, I think that maybe a relationship with that kind of age disparity could have the potential to have a power dynamic. And so that's something that I might be concerned about, but I don't know if that's the case in this particular situation. And uh, I'm really not prepared to so do what's your anything gut about it. What's your gut feeling? Creepy, not creepy. I don't know if I if I knew clearly it bothers if I knew the young lady, I would probably want to talk to her. I don't know if if she was someone who was my friend or I was close to. I might I might want to ask her if she if she thought there was a power disparity there. I don't know. Um, It seems to bother you, though. I mean, you brought it up. So maybe. Well, I was I was more kind of interested in the fact that so many people had something to say about it. You know what I mean? It's like it's someone else's relationship. It probably shouldn't be much of anyone's business, except, um, you know, I think I think libertarians kind of like to um, probably make make judgments of some kind in that kind of a situation. And I was just kind of wondering what you all thought of it, if you had a strong judgment either well, way or if I you just I can only draw from my own experiences. Um, I dated a girl who was um, 19 years old when I was 33, and that's a pretty, pretty good stretch. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, my experience was with her that, you know, we didn't connect on all levels. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if I can, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that there were things that I was talking about and, and experiences that I'd had that didn't really connect with her. Um, and I think that that can be a problem in these circumstances. I've also seen it not be a problem. I've seen some very mature young women um, who can, mm-hmm. you know, handle themselves in those circumstances. It doesn't end up that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's uh, something I would like to avoid is to make blanket generalizations about everyone of a certain age, because those are universally yep. not going to be true. Um, but I think they can generally be true, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you're talking about like a 12 year old and someone uh, who's not. How about I make a general puberty, statement uh, that uh, most 20 year olds really don't know much about Speed Racer? <laughs> well, there's, uh, I think there's a, a modern Speed Racer. They might know. Something. Except, they, yeah, except a, that's not version. relevant to their ability to have a, a relationship with someone. I don't know that that's entirely true. I think that uh, people, you know, people connect on all kinds of bases. Many couples have their favorite songs. Usually their favorite songs of, uh, you know, they they. They heard them together. People tend to age groups tend to listen to certain types of music. I yeah. think this well, could... there's things that they could connect on that are sort of timeless, like maybe the ideas of liberty, which I think is a 
factor in this maybe this couple's relationship. Do you think that sometimes men choose to date um, young women for purposes of sex as opposed to other kinds of uh, really connecting with them? I think that all ages of all people date people for various reasons, and sometimes they include sex. And I'm not I'm not really keen on making the statement well sometimes old men date young women just for sex there is the sort of phenomenon of trading in the old wife the, the first wife for the, uh, the the newer younger one right but but there but there's some young men that date older women just for sex they do I mean, totally it, it get, I, I don't know i mean I, and i could just say as somebody who has two daughters i really wouldn't consider age that big of a deal i'd, I'd be more concerned with the person who he is and yeah. Or she, who she is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> My daughters are only seven. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's easy to step around it. I, you know, I, mean, I don't, I don't there's no doubt about it. it. I don't think that I think that there are generalizations that people draw. I tend to draw some of these generalizations myself. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm willing to be honest and open about it. I tend to think when an older guy's with a younger woman, he's doing it for the nookie. When I tend to think what a younger woman's doing is she's, uh, you know, she's got maybe some daddy issues and want to be wants to be taken care of to some extent. Well, Sure, but I mean that could be in any relationship. There could be issues like that. Could be. I mean, it's hard to say. It's just that's the one that stands out more to other people because there's such a big age difference. Yep. So they see that as as oh something's wrong rather than looking at their own personal relationships and yeah you know yeah Mandrick I completely agree with you <laughs> people love to judge the relationships of others and not really look inwards and judge you know. their own. But um, you know this is a topic that kind of interests me because. I've known a couple of couples in my life who encountered very harsh judgment and a lot of stress. And I mean, this, these people were even saying on, on their thread where there were like hundreds of comments of people kind of with varying degrees of judgment saying that, yay, this is really stressful. And I could completely relate to that. I had a friend in high school who was one of my best friends and she was uh, 25, I think. She was a little older than me at the time. And she was dating a man who was 52. And so he was more 25 than 25 and 52. Yep. So he was more than twice her age. And, you know, they had a great lasting relationship that it was a long term thing. It went on for mm, f- at least five years that I know of. And, you know, hey, whether a relationship lasts five days or five years, like far be it for me, you know, it, everybody's got to be the one to run their own life. And I mean, that much I certainly agree with. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I think a 17 year old can consent to something like that. I think there I, is I a potential creep factor. I that, think there's a right. There's a potential yeah. that in, in, in a high potential in that area that the um, the older person is going to be the adult in the relationship and the uh, younger person is going to be the child in the relationship and that they're both to some extent looking for that. Um, I you know, I, I've heard a lot of guys say I want to get them young so I can teach them. And, you know, that's I don't think that, that's creepy because that's just <laughs> that total control thing. I mean, that's well, but yeah, it happens. You're right. There are there are plenty of guys that talk like that. Just saying. I mean, you know, that I, I think plenty that of the, women who talk like plenty that. Of women. I'm going to change him. He's going to do this. And right. That. Yeah. <laughs> the build your own man hobby kit. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I don't know. I like to think of relationships as egalitarian and I would hope that I don't think any of them are. Uh, I think people have different jigsaw pieces, jigsaw puzzle pieces that fit together. Mm -hmm. 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. Smart with you. And Mandrick. And Stephanie. Talking about, well, you can call in at 603-435-1105. What we've been talking about is uh, 
sort of older men, younger like women, the dynamics. We could talk about you know younger men, older women too. If that, uh, if did that you just say like Mark? Like Mark? He's an older man. Uh, I don't I'm think he's. Older than I think his wife Andrew. is he's, the same age as him, right? He's older than older. me. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Gotcha. Mark, you're sexy. Thanks. My my wife's a little older than I am. That much is true. I but it has been. She's close enough. I think she's like two years and a quarter or something like that. Two years and a month. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't even. I don't know my wife's age because there's no benefit to me to knowing my wife's age. Oh yeah, it's you know there's a wide variety of maturity levels among people, and a lot of times the chronicle age the sorry the chronological age is not reflective of their mental emotional age. You know what I'm saying? I, I absolutely uh, agree with you. I, I, it's 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 true. There's no way to to say that that's not true. I think that there are a lot of uh, prejudices that surround people. Ageism. Yeah, yeah. yeah, surround people. Everybody wants to be in other people's relationships. Talk about it. It's interesting topic. It's an interesting topic, and I don't. I'm not going to say that it's not. Yeah, it distracts them from their own problems. Really, I mean, that's and, one and, of the biggest things. This is the point that I've tried to make: is that everybody's weird, and all of their relationships are messed up. And you know, so it's easy to point out and say he's going out with her, and she's a lot younger, and you know, they've got she's got daddy issues, and he just wants the booty, and, and that's easy something. <laughs> easy to say but you know everybody's relationships uh you know a little messed up that may be true much and, more complicated than that yes and, there's you know, a lot of dynamics. i don't like saying they're all messed up i don't know i think that i think that to some extent or another we look for those that fit our uh little puzzle pieces and that's the best we can do in life that there's no such thing as a healthy relationship mm. because there's no oh, such thing as a healthy healthy individual oh they're i think they're healthy individuals nuts. no way well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you could cynical. go live in the woods, and if you were going to, manventureoutpost.com would be where <laughs> you would get camping, nice hunting, or shooting gear. They carry knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish, fish finders, boating equipment. Manventureoutpost.com. They're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. I did go over there and check them out, and they really do seem to have lower prices than their competition. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. That's manventureoutpost.com. Coupon code FTL. So I... Yeah, I'm not. So, so people aren't crazy, Mandrick. Back I, up the statement. I, I don't. How do you define crazy again? Because you have different views. Everybody is. Because everybody's crazy. Everybody's I think. Crazy. I think your definition, Mark, of crazy was deviating from the norm. Yeah. Right. And I would say that's abnormal, but not necessarily crazy. And if you believe that there are certain things in the world that are true, and those things are knowable from what what kind of you know consequences actions have and things of that nature, what we can observe, what we can reason from first principles. If you believe that there is that kind of objective um, truth, then some things are crazy and because they're not good for you. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're crazy because they're hurting you or hurting someone else. And that's why they're crazy. It's not because they're deviating from the norm. Otherwise, we're getting into this kind of moral relativism. Have you ever been I guess. in a situation with a, um, with, a, with a person that you're in a relationship with and you're like, you know, this seems like a really good person on paper. But in real life, I'm not that turned on by them. So I'm going to move along and find some relationship with some other per- person. Turned on in what way? Like, uh, just any 
relationship wise you know i don't want to be with them in a relationship but they you know they're upwardly mobile or whatever it is that you're looking for in a relationship i would hope if you if you came to that conclusion you would bring that up rather than just drag it out for months and months no no i'm talking about uh, you would drop it you drop them and go on to someone else i've I've heard other people say this for instance I, i heard someone say it just the other day oh he had the perfect job. He seemed like someone that would be a great partner, but then he turned out to be really controlling. And, you know, that's uh, I don't think that you should be judging someone as a good partner based on how much money they earn. Or yeah. I'm not talking about that. Or... I'm talking about how they connect with you. I had a girlfriend once who, you know, I, I liked what she was about. I liked what she was doing. I liked where she was in the world. I liked those things. But I just wasn't turned on by her, you know? I mean, like, it, it was just wasn't chemistry. So, um, you know, I let her go. And I went on, you know, and had other relationships with other folks. And apparently, I, you know, I'm... I certainly went out with people that I, I less, you know, more and better and worse for me. And I just I just don't think that people make rational decisions. I'm, I'm not sure that so people are rational. Like love is blind. I don't think people are rational and I don't think people can uh, find out, can really talk about what motivates them. I don't think they even know if you say, hey, what motivates you when you're talking about sort of. Uh, you know, products, looking at, uh, you know, situations where people are talking about, uh, oh, well, you know, I found this commercial this way, that way, the other thing, you know, uh, girls will say, um, you know, they they say they'll say they want a nice guy. They date jackasses. Um, You know, you'll find. So those are probably people who are kind of disconnected from their own feelings and needs. Right. But once they get in touch with themselves, then and I don't mean in the uh, way that you're probably thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Once they get in touch with their true selves, then they they do know what they want because they know who they are and they've worked on themselves. I think to a lesser or greater extent, we all don't know who we are and we all don't know what motivates us. But we're continually evolving. And I mean, if, if you know what you want right now, I'm I mean, that seeking could obviously self-knowledge change. Yeah. actively. I think there, there are probably few people who are. I think there are a lot of people out there who are disconnected from themselves mm-hmm. for sure. But that doesn't mean that nobody is connected to themselves, right? Well, uh, okay, so this is uh, reaching I, – I would say that um, you're talking about a state of perfection. Um, knowing no, oneself not, is a state of perfection. Not perfect. It's something – it's an ideal to strive You would have to know and, all of yourself in order to know oneself. Is that not correct? Um, no, I think there are levels of self-knowledge. Oh, and, I, I would agree with you that yeah. there are levels of self-knowledge. However, that um, if there are Some levels of are. self-knowledge, then in order to know oneself, you would be talking about an extreme. And I say no one has reached that state of perfection. Now, I will agree with you that there are people that are on higher and lower uh, realms of knowing oneself, uh, you know, closer and farther from that goal, mm-hmm. and that most people are not addressing these issues with themselves. Sure. Uh, and uh, you know, certainly, I. Don't and would, if you don't, if you don't know yourself, if you're if you're disconnected from your true self how can you really expect to form a a healthy relationship with another person right yeah if you don't know what you want in life if you don't know what you're desiring what do you think people mean when they say old soul old soul yeah he was born he's got an old soul some people believe that of course you've been reincarnated and things like that there's always a fun story is that that like a wise person i I, I don't know i think they mean mature or maybe mature like discongruently with the person's chronological age that's more yeah. of a wisdom thing, right? Self-knowledgeable, maybe. So, um, p- p- where are we at on this uh, young girl dating an old guy? Creepy, not creepy? We should oh, stay I, I'm, business. I'm not making a judgment. I, yeah. I honestly don't know. I just thought it might be an interesting topic for discussion. Oh, I would absolutely I, concur I also with you. do want to apologize to them if they, if, 
this discussion has like stressed them out or any, we haven't named any names or no. anything, but I'm sure that they probably don't like having their relationship under a microscope. And that wasn't my intention. I haven't they um, kind of wanted to. Wasn't your statement that they'd been pl- posting on blogs about their relationship that the, uh, the older guy had I've, on, on Facebook. And you know, please, there was a lot of, it's out there. There's the, the, sure. <laughs> it is a topic of conversation. And sure. you know, they, if they didn't, if they don't like it being talked about, they shouldn't have been talking about it on Facebook. I'll, I'll just say it yeah. again. I think people should spend more time, you know, worrying about them, well, not necessarily worrying, but looking at their own relationships and spending time on themselves rather Focus than... Focus that energy exactly. inward. It's if your of, relationship's fine, then it's kind of fun to look at other people's relationships. Yeah, but how, if your relationship's fine, I mean, is it really fine? It's hard to say. I mean, I don't you, know. You really, you can just say, oh, it's fine. Trust me, I said that for a while. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you can lie to yourself all you want. I mean, maybe you're not. I don't know, but... I don't see what's healthy or beneficial about looking at other people's relationships and judging them or, you know, without without really knowing everything. You might be Even able to didn't. learn something that you could apply to yourself in but, the future. You but, know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess. But if you don't know the whole picture, I mean, if you don't if you don't know these people personally, I, I don't know what I don't know what you could really get from that. Well, you get the the, the entertainment of talking about <laughs> other people's relationship. It's not entertaining for me. Was, I guess it depends on the person. Yeah. Let's stop talking about this. I got one for you. All right. How about a midwife charged with manslaughter for giving birth to a, a child, a, a baby that died? Yikes. Wow. 603-435-1105, Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. It's your show. Take control of the airwaves. Uh, We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. But first, you know that cigarettes are going to kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. There's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A -a pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start feeling better, smelling better, and um, you know being wealthier. Those are good things. But you can also get a free starter kit and free shipping if you purchase 40 cardamizers with coupon code FTL. Um, as a matter of fact, if you purchase uh, anything over $60 um, at uh, Vaporsmiths.com, you will get free shipping. But you get a free starter kit if you get the 40 cardamizers. And coupon code FTL. You can call uh, 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. As I said, it's a show about your calls, so let's go to Frank in New York. Frank? Uh, good evening. Good evening. I it noticed you very... didn't say gentleman this time, Frank. No, no, I just, good evening to everyone. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting topic. Again, it deals with issues of gender, power, biology, and sort of the cultural expectations of, you know, relationships and sort of uh, those issues. And I think it's interesting to note that uh, 
At this point in time, I don't think age is really a consideration, provided that, you know, both adults are of the age of consent or both partners are of the age of consent. Where right. do you think the age of consent really lies? Yeah. Now, I don't mean legally lies, Frank. Well, I... see, the, that's a very good point because the age of consent is a legal construct. Sure. So it allows for a physical relationship not to be criminalized unless there's sort of like abuse and things. Then you get into a whole other area. But, but then the say, abuse is the crime and say, not the age. Yeah. Let's say the culture wants people to produce a lot of children because workers make those in power rich. If you, if we were 100 years ago back in the age of the high industry, would say that the industrialist will profit by the labor of the employees. Therefore, the more people he can employ or exploit, the richer he's going to become. When technology changes that, the notion of the human value diminishes. And then we get to a situation whereby we say, well, maybe there are too many people on the planet taking precious resources away from the orangutans and the giraffes and the elephants and things. So in a sense, if reproduction isn't the key issue, you can have uh, young men, old men, uh, dating, you know, older women that aren't of childbearing years. And the culture can sort of make that a virtue through its sort of median propaganda and things. We see that now with the notion of the cougar, the older woman who may be divorced once or twice that really isn't concerned about having children, but she wants the excitement of the young bad boy. So the culture culture is sort of focusing on that as opposed to the young, uh, beautiful, fertile young woman that's looking for uh, a handsome, young, virile mate to produce children. So in a sense... Biology plays a part, but if, let's say, our hormonal system or the endocrine system has been changed with, let's say, chemicals... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I I was going to say, I also think, I I know what you're saying there about about all that, but I also think the internet plays a big role... It, it does, no, think about this. It's like no, the go ahead. it's interesting. It's like the Continue. ultimate nullifier because in the past maybe a younger woman wouldn't have had as much knowledge about certain situations or uh, just knowledge in general. But now anybody can look anything up on the internet and they can educate themselves on something. So maybe somebody be, might think, oh, a seventeen-year-old is not as mature or not as knowledgeable, and you know she's being duped by this forty-some-year-old man. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, if she really, I just I just think you can learn about anything at this age yes. at this point. Yes, and also if the 40-year-old man is a millionaire or a billionaire and has lots of power, uh, like Donald Trump, let's say, then you have lots of younger women. He can have several wives and produce beautiful children and take care of them and create more families and stuff. And the culture looks on that. The women look on it as a status relationship or a trophy guy. And the men look at it as sort of, oh, this is what we would like to aspire to, but we never will be able to because of our economic situation. So in a sense, it's really a lot of nonsense. And I think men and women are quite immature from 30 years ago at, at whatever age. I think someone – Well, that on? Like, I'm sorry. What do you base that on? Uh, my own experience. I'm an old guy in my <laughs> early 50s. Okay. So I've seen sort of the, the – where even immaturity becomes, uh, you know, a virtue. I see men from 25 to 40 uh, riding skateboards, having expensive tattoos, uh, dressing like nerds. 
And these guys well, are having a great time, and do, they're do you dating tons of women. And you know, this is like they're hipsters. They're neo hipsters. Yeah, but they, you never know. They could have grown. I mean, if they grew up in the '80s, maybe they were riding skateboards and playing Atari. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. But the point is, in 1970, you wouldn't see a man 25 years old riding a skateboard or you know dressing sort of. Uh, well, I guess back then people were dressing like hippies, but I mean... <laughs> so there weren't any old hippies hanging around? I mean, I always thought there were always some there old guys hanging around. Well, they were beatniks. Like See, the old hippies were beatniks. They were sort right. of the forebears of the movement. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's interesting, and what, what I like about it is that this discussion would be a master's thesis at any of the Ivy League schools regarding gender studies or feminist studies or cultural sexual... Uh, studies, you know, mm-hmm. re, but it's all related to cultural critique, sort of take this from a critical uh, a critical history. Mm-hmm. You know, and, a lot of people would claim that, uh, you know, it seems to me that there's this idea out there of the sort of angry feminist that would claim that this is a situation that is where the, the woman is being exploited. And I don't know whether I necessarily... That could be. That could be. And you know what? There, are many, there were many... I'm an angry uh, feminist, and I don't necessarily feminist. think that she's being yeah, exploited. A, a woman could be angry. exploited by a younger man. I mean... It, Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre. Talk about an angry feminist. The writings of, well, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre, the great French philosopher, his love interest for, I guess, over 40 years was Simone de Beauvoir, one of the most brilliant philosophers in her own right, and one of the founding philosophers of feminism. Uh, Remember her, The Second Sex, the book that transformed... American Consciousness, Gloria Steinem, Betty mm-hmm. Friedan, all those people. What's interesting... Mark, reads uh, a, Mark actually has read those books at least four times. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's interesting, she talked about, you know, the sexual freedom of women and women emancipating themselves from the traditional roles, yet she acted as sort of like a floor mat for John Paul Sartre, who was very promiscuous, and he would go out and he would... She would even arrange menage mm-hmm. a trois, you know, for John Paul Sartre to keep him interested, uh... The well, two of them so it's how do you know that she wasn't into that too? I mean, yeah. oh, maybe. she was. I mean, she talks about that, and then since well, then she's, not being, a, that, then. she's not being a doormat. Pardon me. But then she wouldn't be being a doormat. But her letters, her letters to other philosophers and friends talk about her feelings, how I she see. felt when John Paul Sartre betrayed her, and gotcha. why she still takes it, and all this kind of stuff. So it gets very interesting. And see, right now, this could have been like an introduction to a pro seminar at one of the uh, Seven Sister Colleges or one of the Ivy League schools, because mm. this area is fertile for the type of academic research we need right now what is in a, a post-industrial society. What is a we, Seven Sister College? I know Ivy League. Bryn Mawr, Wellesley, Elite Women's Barnard, colleges. Radcliffe, uh, Smith, okay. uh, Mount Holyoke. What, what are some of the others? I I, you them must all? have gotten them. There's you seven, and you must have rattled <laughs> oh, oh, off five. Bryn Mawr. Bryn Mawr. That's you it. can't miss Bryn Mawr. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. important to but get them all. it's interesting. And you know what? I have to tell you, normally you know me as sort of the pedantic... Uh, intellectual discussing issues of law and philosophy and different things. But the pop culture is really the most interesting, I think, engaging, especially on a Sunday night. Frank, because, you know, we what, do you, what do you look for? Frank, what do you look for in a woman? Uh, I actually, at my age, I look for someone that... Uh, How do you know he's mind. straight, Mandrick? He might be... Pardon me? How do you know I was talking about he, it in a relationship? Mandrick, no, just, just Mandrick assumed that you were straight, Frank. No, then. I didn't. I didn't say, in a, in a, what do you look for in a woman? Let the guy answer the Jeez. damn question. <laughs> She's making assumptions over here. <laughs> you know what? I look for uh, a woman that's, that's intelligent, that's understanding, that can articulate her own views, 
and often, you know, that makes her very beautiful. And she can and pick out a good, a, am, a good bottle I know of cognac. Good looks, good looks change over time. And ultimately, what you're left is with, you know, as you said, you have to know yourself. And sadly, in our culture that's been perverted by advertising and commercial capitalism regarding people's notion of their own essence, whereby that's degraded, we're meant to feel inadequate. Therefore, we need to buy all these products to do different things. That's why you and detach yourself amazing, from that, Frank. Right. What's amazing, to know yourself uh, often happens over the period, the age period. So I think uh, women begin mm. to know themselves in their teens. Uh, it starts, then you get into this whole notion of, uh, of the cultural myths and like sex in the city and all this kind of, uh, you know, sort of hyped areas Thanks, Frank. that are really abstract. Frank, thank you, Frank. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this, that's it for the night. You know, I'm just looking for a girl that's cool and I can hang out with. <laughs> we'll Free see talk you live. next time.